Big thanks to NASCAR for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Netflix's newest docuseries, NASCAR Full Speed, follows drivers as they battle for one of the biggest titles in all of motorsports during the 2023 NASCAR playoffs. Get an in-depth look at who these drivers are off the track and how they and their teams navigate the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. After all, the race to the finish is just the beginning. Watch NASCAR full speed on Netflix to catch up on the characters, competition, and chaos that define the 2023 championship before NASCAR heads to Atlanta this Sunday, February 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Today is a little different. I don't know if you guys heard a little over a week ago now, as of this recording, uh, James suffered a a heart attack so he's fine he's recovering at home he'll be back when he wants to we're going to give him all the time he needs uh to get that heart back in operation uh so for today in the studio with me instead of james i have my two good friends with me we got joe weber hey hey and jeremiah burton hello hello and these two guys they're writers at donut media you might not have ever seen their faces before or heard their voices, but you've you've heard their work. How about that? That's easier to say. Uh, Joe and Jeremiah have written a bunch of Up to Speeds and Wheelhouses and Bumper to Bumper episodes, and they're very funny guys. They're both sketch comedians, mm-hmm. uh, just like James. It takes two of us to be one Pumphreys yeah. in terms of <laughs> <Yeah>. comedy. <laughs> we had so to bring we'll t- see. two guys in. Yeah, yeah to <laughs> fill in for one. So mm-hmm. it'll be a little different. I know it's it is a different format, but I'm actually pretty excited about it because I've wanted to. Uh, bring another host in here. So now you guys will just be battling for that third spot. Which is gonna, I'm kidding. Oh, this is a tri- this is a tryout. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Totally kidding. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, now for the show. <laughs> All right, so today's topic is a car that everyone thinks is horrible, but Joe and I did a well, Joe did more research than I. I read a 300 page book in one day about it. And we're going to tell the untold and honestly underappreciated story of maybe one of the most looked down on cars today, the PT Cruiser. 
Um, <laughs> Jeremiah, what is your opinion of the PT Cruiser? I don't know much about the car. I'll say that. The only thing that I've experienced with is when I went to high school, my history teacher, his claim to fame was he was the first PT Cruiser owner in the county of Brevard. <laughs> so, and he, he rocked that thing to school every day. He was in the newspaper. He had the newspaper clipping. They, like what? Florida Today came to our school and took a picture of him. And he, he had that in his, uh, in his office, <laughs> probably amazing. still to this day. So that's all I know about the PT Cruiser. Okay, I think that a newspaper doing a story on some guy who bought the first one in, in the county is a very strange thing, but it also shows how big a freaking deal the PT Cruiser was at the time of its release. Like, right. we get excited now about like the new Supra that came out. This week at SEMA, uh, there's just tons of them, but it pales into comparison how many PT Cruisers there were at the, I think, 99 or 2000 yeah. SEMA show. It was just like a flock. Yeah, I remember there being a lot of hype about it. You yeah. Know? I don't think people at the school, I think everyone was kind of like, Oh, this is great. Like, Mr. Murphy got it. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, like, they were pretty pumped. Now, looking back on it, you're like, ooh, why was I excited? So what are your your hang-ups about it? I I just, you know, I think I I was a big Prowler fan, you know, so I think that's what led me into liking it at first, was kind of like, oh, it's a kind of Prowler-looking car. You know, I think they had a spirit of that in it, maybe, I'm not sure. And then they just mass-produced them. And then when that happens, and then when old people buy them, and then they're just not cool anymore. You so know? you see it as like an old person's car? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's just like, it's PT Cruisers are never in great condition when you see them on yeah. the road now, but they're still running, which yeah. is great. My experience with a PT Cruiser, the only time I've ever been in one was in my ex-girlfriend's. Mm-hmm. And that didn't end very well. <laughs> she also didn't take care of it. And so it was like always falling apart. And she was always stressed about like fixing it. The back end has been like smashed in. Yeah. And there was like always at least one brake light out. <laughs> so that's my experience with it. Yeah, they're like very you. Well, they don't make them anymore, right? No, no I'm no. guessing. They ended in 2010. Whoa, okay. what? Yeah, so dude. So they made them for that long. Oh, when, when was the first one? 2000, uh, I yeah, think it was 2000, 2000 wasn't it? Yeah. So for 10 years. 2010? Gotcha. And they sold over a million. 1,050,000. That's, that's crazy to me that a million people were like, yeah, I want a PT Cruiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's one in every 300 people in the U.S. <laughs> but it was sold over 58 countries, oh, too. So oh, like, okay. They love them in Japan. They love them in the U.K. I mm-hmm. bet the Japanese PT Cruiser scene is bananas. Yeah. I there's clubs. There's clubs all around the world. So people love them for a reason. Yeah. We we know that everyone kind of hates this car, and the point of this whole thing is to convince you that it's actually kind of a good car. Yeah, because yeah, PT Cruisers have a stigma, I yeah, think. For sure. It's not That's a positive image of these cars, but hopefully by the end of this episode, through this crazy story about how the car came to be, we can change your guys' mind. So let's get into it. In the late 70s, Chrysler was hurting. The third largest automaker in Detroit was waging a losing war on two fronts. On one side was the oil crisis, which caused fuel prices in the U.S. to skyrocket. A few years earlier, in the mid-70s, Chrysler attempted to retrofit their lineup with more fuel-efficient engines, with mixed success. But on top of that, Chrysler was fighting an even more powerful enemy, Japanese Car makers, brands like Honda, Nissan, and Toyota had seen America's need for fuel-efficient cars and delivered them in spades. It's also worth noting that American cars at the time 
particularly Chrysler products, just sucked ass. The cars might have been big and comfy, but the build quality was in the gutter. Japanese cars, on the other hand, were built well, and they were inexpensive. Chrysler needed a car that could help them recover in a world of high gas prices and competent foreign rivals. Lee Iacocca, who had recently been poached from Ford, put the plan into action developing the K-Car platform. A designer at Chrysler by the name of Tom Gale helped bring the design to life. The Plymouth Reliant and Dodge Aries shared the K-Car platform. They were boxy and boring, no frills, but that was exactly what Chrysler needed. I'd, if you guys have never seen these cars before, just think of like a car in your head, a mental image of a car. Mm -hmm. That's it. probably what it looks like. <laughs> like, like a stick of butter. It's so boring. With wheels. Yeah. Okay. A butter wheel car. You know, like a LeBaron. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but despite their subdued appearance, the Reliant and Aries sold fantastically well. From 81 to 88, Chrysler sold 300,000 of these cars a year. Everyone wanted those butter cars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the K-Car platform was extremely versatile and could handle a wide variety of car styles. You had the Aries sedan, the Chrysler LeBaron convertible, that's a hot ride, a Reliant station wagon, and eventually the Dodge Caravan minivan, the first of its kind. The K-Car had saved Chrysler and put money back in their pockets. It was a total success, but solving one problem created another. Chrysler now was kind of boring. Mm. Like me. That's my problem. Like you? <laughs> you're not boring. You're not boring. Play, yeah. You play baseball. You oh, got, yeah. You play, oh, you're right. You yeah. play bass and baseball, right? Yeah, you got hobbies. Yeah, I play bass when I play baseball. <laughs> if I score a run, I just slap that bass. Sweet. He's not liked by other baseball players. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it takes a long time to like bring a bass over yeah. after you score a run. Mm -hmm. People hate the delay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Some of Chrysler's brands were more boring than others, but without question, the most boring was Plymouth. I went on the Plymouth Wikipedia page uh, just to get a quick idea of their 80s lineup. Every K car was painted a bland earth tone color, which kind of embodied the blasé nature of the brand at that time. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. My dad actually had a Dodge Spirit for a little bit, which was, I think, also a K car. We ripped the headliner on that with a, a uh, fishing pole, so that was good. So just like, not you know, only was, from a yeah, dude. not only was my dad driving a, a K car, but the headliner also touched his head when he drove. So it just really added to the. the That's mood one of those of things that like guys would never fix because it's not that much of a problem. No. But it's just like <laughs> ridiculous that you wouldn't just tack it up with something. Right. And it's it, one of those things where like you get used to it and it's not a big deal but then like other people <laughs> see what you're going through. They're like, oh my god dude. No, it's yeah. it's really not that bad. It's I just, a, I like, I use it as a Kleenex sometimes. Right. <laughs> and then you fix it and you're like, why the heck did I wait so long to fix this? <laughs> yeah. This was a constant annoyance. Around the same time, Plymouth's sister company, Dodge, was working on transforming their image and reinvigorating their brand. Tom Gale had since become vice president of design at Chrysler and was approached by Chrysler president Bob Lutz to design a modern tribute to a classic sports car. I wonder what it is. The mm. Viper prototype. <laughs> I thought it was the PT Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, debuted at the 1989 Detroit Auto Show, and soon people were tripping over each other to order one. It was powered by a V10 designed with help from Lamborghini, who Chrysler owned at the time. The Viper went on sale to the public in January of 1992 to much critical acclaim and fear. It had no safety features like any lock brakes or stability control, which gave it a reputation as a very hard car to drive at the limit. Didn't even have airbags, right? No. Yeah. And That's scary. Too much weight. <laughs> no airbags, no no ABS, no roof. The first one was the convertible. No excuses. No excuses. Yeah. No a roof features. is just an excuse if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Be like, Ooh, I try to stay in your car. <laughs> I flip my car and bang my head and be like, no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Just bang my head. It's not too serious. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, did, did it have did it have roll bars? It did have a like a the um, not a target top, but like the target yeah. style like roll bar thing. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I mean it wasn't like completely in <laughs> it wasn't a complete death trap, but right. it was still very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And uh I think there's footage of someone from Motor Week or Motor Trend back in the 80s, like spinning one of these things out at like a press day. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we would never do that. We'd never spin out this car. I do want one of these things. It's like one of my, my top dream car right here. Um, this perception of the Viper, that it was a death trap, uh, reinvigorated Dodge's image as a whole, transforming it from a sleepy consumer brand to performance leader Overnight, Plymouth, watching from the wings, <laughs> wanted in on that action. So they got to work making their own performance car. Tom Gale had a penchant for hot rods. He threw around a couple of concepts, including the Chrysler Thunderbolt, but it was a project by a student at the Art Center College of Design by the name of Douglas Foose, also known as Chip that really inspired Tom Gale. I see how the I see how he got yeah. his nickname. <laughs> Pretty clear there. Maybe he was like a chip off the old block. 
Yeah. He looked like his dad. Maybe he had a chipped tooth. Maybe he had freckles like chocolate chips. Hmm. What? <laughs> Do you know what chip tooth looks like? <laughs> yeah, he's got tons of freckles. <laughs> Chip's design, the hemisphere, was sleek, aggressive, and reminiscent of 1930s era hot rods. Tom Gale, the hot rod enthusiast he was, was super into Chip's project, which reminded him of a 32 deuce. Gale himself had a hotted up 32 deuce sitting in his garage. Chrysler expanded on Chip's design and made the concept a roadster instead of a coupe. The final product, the Prowler concept, was radical and fun and unlike any other car on the road. It had a sharp angled grill, aggressive look, and indie style wheels. So this is the concept. Yeah. This is 1993. Mm -hmm. People love this thing. Yeah. They're like, this is... This is like the new, this is Chrysler rebranding itself and everyone was on board. Mm -hmm. They never gave Chip credit. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> this is kind of stole his design. And, no way. Yeah. Aww, poor Chip. Yeah. <laughs> Chrysler CEO Bob Eaton did not allow his designers to use the word retro. The Prowler's design had to be referred to as heritage styling. You know. It's different than retro. Yeah. <laughs> Super normal way of describing a car. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just, heritage. Let's just go to the uh, synonyms book. Find another <laughs> word. But don't, don't you ever use retro. <laughs> Chrysler wanted to use the car as a vanguard to usher in a new style language for the turn of the new millennium. There was another goal for the Prowler besides making a fun corporate hot rod. Chrysler's goal with the Viper was to develop new ways to design and build a car for less money and have those techniques trickle down through the rest of the lineup. The Prowler would be similar. In fact, Plymouth wasn't even focused on making money with the car. They just wanted to try new stuff out on a small scale. Case in point, the Prowler's construction. The two-seater would be constructed with aluminum and composite materials, a technique far outside the K-car maker's wheelhouse. I think I understand. It's the trickle-down effect. Yeah. We're going to build a, a, a car and use some of the technology to put it into other more mass-produced cars. Yeah, because if they do it on a small scale, there's not as much risk in developing stuff in terms of investment. They're not going to try the same stuff at a huge factory at first because it could sure. just all fall apart. So they're going to do it on a small scale and figure out what works and what doesn't. Right. When it debuted at the 1993 Detroit Auto Show, people thought it looked cool. But they never thought it would make it to production. At the same time, Dodge released their second-gen Ram. It was a major success, in part thanks to its radical styling. It didn't look like other trucks at the time. It was unique. Plymouth again was inspired by their cooler brother. Plymouth started developing a concept car that had the same heritage styling as the Prowler, but was more economical and practical. In 1997, the Plymouth Pronto Concept debuted. Debuted, sorry. It was an affordable, fun, five-door concept that had visible styling cues from the Prowler, mainly the pointed grille and split bumpers. It had a rollback fabric roof that was in between a drop top and a sunroof, sorry. It had a spacious interior and high roof line and came in a color called Cool Vanilla, which was my nickname mm. in high school. <laughs> you used to do the worm at pep rallies. <laughs> Here comes Cool Vanilla. <laughs> the designer, uh, K. Neil Walling, said of, of this Pronto concept. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> K. Neil Walling. 
We study the driving habits of future first-time car buyers and learn that they're interested in a vehicle unlike any other on the road today. So 16-year-olds or what? Yeah, I guess. Because the Pronto had such a high roof line, the seats were positioned higher as well, giving the driver a tall, clear view of the road. This will be important later, Jeremiah. Okay, noted. This car was heralded as the start of a new brand, and one critic said it had instantly recognizable personality. When asked about the development of the Pronto concept, Vice President of Design at Chrysler, John Hurlitz, said, Before setting out to create Pronto, we gathered guidelines and specs for designing traditional four-passenger sedans. Once we studied all this information, we threw it out and built a new vehicle from the ground up for our next generation. In 1998, a year later, the Pronto Spider concept was was released. This two-door roadster had a 2.4-liter turbocharged four-cylinder that made 225 horsepower and looked nothing like the previous concept that shared its name. It weighed 2,700 pounds and was designed to mimic small European roadsters, even down to the mid-mounted engine. Whoa! Yeah, have you seen this thing? It's weird looking. It kind of looks like a Porsche... Uh, and a uh, like an Audi TT kind of had yeah. a little baby. I got like uh, Saturn Sky vibes Whoa. from it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that design has not aged well. <laughs> Soon after, Chrysler debuted the all-wheel drive Pronto Cruiser concept designed by Brian Nesbitt. Cruiser was, with a Z. Yeah, you gotta no, <laughs> you gotta have the Z in there, which tells people it's fun. If it was an S, that's boring. Yeah, go back to. The Rotary Club, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) It was lower and more aggressive than the previous two concepts, but this Pronto really sold the heritage hot rod look. It was modeled to look like the Chrysler Airflow of the 1930s and came with a 1.6 liter inline four mated to a five-speed manual transmission. The exaggerated grille and bulging fenders harkens stylistically to the Prowler. I never really realized how similar the PT Cruiser would be next to the Prowler. Meanwhile, the production Plymouth Prowler debuted in 1998 and was immediately met with criticism. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. Sure. Sure, Jeremiah. People loved the radical styling, but the Prowler got flack for only being available with a V6. Hot rods historically had big V8s in them, and putting a V6 in one was seen as sacrilege. It didn't feel like driving a hot rod either. The suspension was tuned more for comfort than performance. So I read a bit on the Prowler too. Okay. And it was like, it had a 3.5 liter V6, which did like 225. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. But it wasn't like a hot rod and only old people bought it. And so they laid into that and they were like, okay, let's just make it really comfortable to ride. No young person can afford this anyway. Yeah. Despite the lukewarm reception, Chrysler didn't consider it to be a failure. Of course, it was never meant to be a volume car and make money. The Prowler was an experiment in the production of aluminum cars. They only made 11,000 of these things. And while they might have lost money on the project as a whole, they gained a ton of knowledge on aluminum car construction that would be utilized in future production. Chrysler debuted the PT Cruiser, at the 1999 Detroit International Auto Show. It sparked a lot of interest, and by November that year, 225,000 people had requested more info on the PT through Chrysler's website, which attracted more than 35,000 site visitors a week. 
requesting info, does that just mean going to the website? Or I does that mean like, they, dear Chrysler, they I would had like a to... Web, they could have had a website that yeah. had like a, click here if you want to find out more information yeah. when uh, it comes out. I think it was like signing up for like a newsletter or something, which is, yeah. I mean, you got to remember, this is 1999. <laughs> Internet was so much different back then. Oh, yeah. And Alta Vista, Ask Angel Fires. The PT Cruiser website actually won a ton of awards, included, <laughs> including the coveted Golden <laughs> Caddy Award and the At D-Tech Award, which I was not able to find any information yeah. Just the website won the award? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, like, there's... Industry loves giving itself awards. <laughs> the At D-Tech Award seems like someone just, like... <laughs> <laughs> Drop their keyboard yeah. while typing. Yeah. With a production model greenlit, Chrysler kicked their promotion of the PT into overdrive. They aimed to stimulate an emotional response in prospective buyers, emphasizing how fun, sporty, and stylish the PT was. They called it the $16,000 people magnet. That's stupid. That was true. Like, <laughs> people who bought this car have stories of people like doing U-turns on the highway and following them and like taking pictures and like bugging them at gas stations and stuff. Like when it first came out, this thing was huge. And people and wanted it. Like I believe it. Yeah. So yeah. weird that people just like needed to get more info on it. Right. And 16 grand? Not bad. Well, yeah. what's that in what's that in uh 2019? Let's monies? go to that the old inflation calculator here. Uh that would be the same as $25,000 today. So, so like okay. my Impreza. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's that's fine. A few years earlier, Volkswagen had successfully debuted the new Beetle, which earned respect from even the most hardcore bug fans. <laughs> How would they know that? <laughs> what a claim. Chrysler wanted to emulate that mix of nostalgia and excitement for something brand new with their PT Cruiser. By this time, though, it was known that the Plymouth brand was going to be dissolved, so the PT was rebadged as a Chrysler. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Big thanks to NASCAR for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. Netflix's newest docuseries, NASCAR Full Speed, follows drivers as they battle for one of the biggest titles in all of motorsports during the 2023 NASCAR playoffs. Get an in-depth look at who these drivers are off the track and how they and their teams navigate the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. After all, the race to the finish is just the beginning. Watch NASCAR full speed on Netflix to catch up on the characters, competition, and chaos that define the 2023 championship before NASCAR heads to Atlanta this Sunday, February 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, 
you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. <laughs> get it? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So I know this is probably not selling the PT Cruiser yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but... I have a feeling that you're gonna really okay, all you're right. gonna be on Greg's list after this. And, <laughs> I'm optimistic. The PT at one time stood for Plymouth Truck, as Plymouth was trying to emulate the success of the Dodge Ram. <laughs> <laughs> They're really trying to make it like everything. Everything. Oh yeah. my god! You don't look at this car and think truck ever. But with Plymouth living out its last days, now it stood for personal transit. The new PT Cruiser went on an exhausting promotional tour. They brought PTs to car meets and let fans drive them. They made an appearance at that year's Republican National Convention and stopped by college sports games as part of their PT Cruiser Tailgates event series. Great name. During a college football game, they had this ad called Soul. Type in Soul PT Cruiser ad where a guy who's about to go to hell buys his soul back from Satan in exchange for his PT cruiser. He's literally on the elevator down to hell. He's like trying to bargain with him and he's like, take my uh, shipping company, take my mansion, whatever. Satan's like, nah, dude. And then he like holds up the keys to the PT. Satan's like, okay. You're good. All and right. then Satan gets pulled over by the cops. <laughs> and the cop doesn't know how to pronounce Satan's name. Is this all in one 30-second spot? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on. And it's a real ad. Joe was not making any of that up. Sorry, Prince of Darkness. Here's your ID back. Yeah. Over this entire period of time, Chrysler was strategic about releasing details. They let just enough information leak that people were hungry for more. And you know what? It worked. By the turn of the new millennium, Chrysler had created a lot of positive buzz around the car, and people could not wait to find out what this heritage hot rod wagony thing was all about. Now, head of design at Chrysler, Tom Gale, said that the PT establishes a new standard for combining design and function in one vehicle, which is the goal of every vehicle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it was the seemingly impossible combination of a tall and stout hot rod, which also had a bunch of space. This car was trying to be everything at the same time. Design of the PT was aided by a study done in Europe that surveyed customers in countries like France, Italy, Germany, and the UK to assist Chrysler in better understanding the needs and desires of customers around the world. So they're building this thing not only to harken back to like an age of America's history with that heritage styling, but also appeal to everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. Making and, a global car. Yeah, which is kind of a weird idea to make a... Like, just the idea of a global car whose styling really only appeals to maybe one country. Yeah. It's kind of weird. From inception to construction of the first car, Chrysler spent only $600 million developing the PT Cruiser. That's not that much. Which seems like a lot, but for a completely new car developed from the ground up, that's not that much considering... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a good rule of thumb for a large manufacturer is about $100 million a year 
to develop a new car. Much of the technology they were using to develop the car had never been used in that application before. Something I like to keep in mind is that like Lexus, when they were designing the LS400, they spent $400 million, I think, developing the V8 engine that they used in that car. So that just, just the engine. Just the engine. Yeah. yeah. It took 10 years yeah. for that car, right? I think. I think it was 10 years. I remember when we wrote the LFA script, it was it was a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Chrysler used a system to keep everyone involved up to date on everything related to the project. Engineers, suppliers, manufacturers, and designers were all given access to Keisha or uh, computer-aided three-dimensional interactive application. I mean, I would have pronounced that. Katia. Katia. Keisha. Kesha. <laughs> uh, this meant that at any time there was an update or revision, everyone in the pipeline was informed. Chrysler was the first to use an application like this in vehicle development. So it's basically just like a big Google Doc, <laughs> yeah. to put it in layman's terms. And any time like a uh, revision would be done, all the manufacturers and engineers and designers mm-hmm. would be updated. So it wasn't like constant. Is this the actual like designing of the parts? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's called Katia. Oh, you know it? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I uh, I used to use it a lot when I worked in that field. Whoa. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's pretty boring stuff. <laughs> it's uh, not fun. But yeah, it's just like a 3D design software. So they must have been the first to use it that like everyone could kind of talk to each other when you're designing parts. Well, now I feel like an idiot. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Engineers and designers also implemented virtual reality and DMA, which is a computer-aided design type system, to structure the PT and bolster things like chassis strength, rigidity, and safety. These programs were extremely helpful in development as engineers could use virtual reality to assemble components and assure proper fit before a physical prototype was even built. Everything from the engine to the wiring harness to the suspension was arranged in a virtual setting which allowed engineers to utilize every last inch of space in the PT. Designers could sit in the virtual PT and experience it from a customer's perspective, adjusting and tweaking everything until it was just right. This ended up saving Chrysler tons of time and money because they didn't have to keep building new prototypes. That's actually super sick, in my opinion. Yeah. That's like really streamlining cool. the changes because I could imagine how much of a pain in the ass it is to build a prototype. Build something. Like, no, this is wrong. And then go scrap yeah. it, build another one. Yeah. So you just have, you have the whole car just ready to go before you. Yeah. That's right. so cool. Finally, after years of hard work and testing, Tom Gale and Chrysler's dream had materialized. The PT Cruiser was ready for production. It had a wheelbase of 103 inches, stood tall at 63 inches high, and weighed just over 3,000 pounds. The steep angled windshield and rear meant there was a lot of usable space. It was basically a box. The tall angled roof fit in with the hot rod aesthetic and seating was higher than in other cars of the same size. The rear seats were higher than the front seats, kind of like stadium seating. I guess since it was raked, you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it did, yeah, has that little angle to it. How many inches tall are you? I'm six foot three, so that's 75 inches. So this thing is like a foot shorter than you? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that tall. Like that's putting it in Jeremiah's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
James, James is if James is tall too, right? Six yeah. three, I think. Six three, yeah. So what do you mean right? You know, you you sit next to him. <laughs> yeah, but like tall people don't notice other tall people. Everyone's short. Yeah, so, <laughs> unless you're a, a, a sports player, being tall, the what I can go to the store and get fucking something on the top shelf that that's it that's the best thing i can do being tall like there's no advantage to me being tall and just everyone tells you you're tall yeah everyone tells you everyone asks you did you play basketball and you're like oh yes of course yes that was amazing yeah it was really good but then i had an ankle injury and ended my career now i'm a writer you (laughs) Uh, all of the seats except the driver's seat folded down thanks to the use of a twist beam axle and watts linkage when the seats were down it made 64 cubic feet of storage when needed which is on par with a small suv the standard engine in the u.s version was a 2.4 liter inline four that made 150 horsepower and was shared with the chrysler cirrus dodge stratus and plymouth breeze it had a cast iron engine block with aluminum cylinder heads, dual overhead cams, and 16 valves. Other markets got a two liter version of the inline four that made 140 horsepower. That's hilarious. A 0.4 liter <laughs> ink decrease only meant a 10 horsepower difference. <laughs> well, one of them is the European one, the, the two liter one. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for the US, they, they kind of like ran into problems with cafe standards, oh. like emissions. Mm. The interior had a unique style as well. It had a four-spoke steering wheel reminiscent of 1930s-era cars, deep-set gauges, color-matched dash panels, and a cue ball-style shifter. I've always wanted one of those in my car. Although it didn't look much like a truck, the PT Cruiser was designated as a light truck in order to pass stringent emission laws. (laughs) Oh, my. So trucks have different emission standards that they have to meet? They're, they have like lower standards. So if it was like a compact car, say, right. it would be held to a higher standard for emissions. But how do you get away with classifying it as a light truck, though? What is the, what's the standard for that? On a, I'm on dieselhub.com right now. Oh, dude. Um, Shout out to dieselhub.com. <laughs> looks like anything under 6,000 pounds will be a light truck, and this thing was like 3,000 pounds. So technically, we're all trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was going great for Chrysler. With the development wrapping up, all they needed to do was figure out how the hell do we build this thing, <laughs> which is where we'll pick up next week on Past Gas. Uh, so you guys started this to try to convince me, and in the process, de-convinced yourself. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 good job. So thanks for listening. Uh, follow uh, Donut Media on Instagram and Twitter, at Donut Media. Follow me, at Nolan J. Sykes. Follow Joe. At dark underscore webinar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow me, at Jeremiah Burton. Very original. <laughs> uh, if you thought there were a lot of Supras at SEMA this week, you ain't seen nothing yet. PT Cruisers were the bell of the ball for years at for SEMA. For like 10 years. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to go over all the special editions of this car, which is actually where the, the car... It's where the PT shines. Yeah. And I'm excited to show you some of them. I'm excited to hear. I hear there's a guy who spent $100,000 on one. Ooh. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. <laughs> let's see let's see where he put his money. <laughs> All right, so join us next week on Past Gas. Thank you for listening. I love you. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.